What's going on, everybody? This is Jim Banks. And I'm Aaron Cawthorn. And this is Urban Alchemy Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. This is our Monday morning media reviews. Me and Eric are recording our first over-the-phone interview in two years of podcasting. We have we have never had to meet in this medium, but Kansas City, of course, has horrible sub sub-zero weather right now and there is currently snow on the floor and i do not want to risk my co-host's life having him come out from kansas to missouri so you're welcome eric oh thank you so much for thinking about me when i'm the one who brought it to your attention i mean i I didn't want you would have came though i know your dedication to the craft you would have came you would have been like you know what i'm going to risk it because that's that's what the 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 movie the story of our life consists of when they make our biopic like, a lot of people don't understand. We're just doing a lot of training. These media reviews are just training for our eventual biopic. So we know. So who's going to play you? There isn't a good light-skinned actor in the game right now who can play. All the good actors, and that's something we're going to go into with this media review, are just all, like, dark-skinned actors. There's, like, five young, good actors in the game right now. And they're all dark-skinned. But we're going to go into that. So uh, we're going to be mixing things up on our media review schedule. Uh, instead of going straight into season three of The Wire, we've decided to talk about a movie that is out and uh, getting a lot of chatter on the Internet right now. A wonderful movie on HBO Max, excuse me, that premiered on HBO Max this weekend, Judas and the Black Messiah. This will not be a spoiler review because the movie is still so new. Uh, everybody probably hasn't had a chance to see it. So we're not going to go too deep into every plot point of the movie. We're just going to do very broad strokes across the plot. But yeah, uh, usually me and Eric are talking about films and albums and TV shows that occurred about a decade ago. Uh, but yeah, now we are going to talk about something that is very recent, just happened a couple of days ago, a movie I really, really enjoyed, uh, and looking forward to talk about that. But before we get to that, just want to, want to give a huge thank you to all of our listeners out there. Uh, we do appreciate all the support that you guys are giving and that, uh, you guys are sharing and liking and contributing on our community group page, which really helps us as well. And also, please make sure you check out the Pitch KC for my first article featuring friend of the show, Brian Shannon. And also check out next month's article, which will be featuring several young black uh, fashion designers here in the city, as well as a few black businesses that cater to that merchandise. So that's been going on with me. Uh, anything been going on with you, Eric? Uh, nothing really. Just trying to stay warm right now. Yeah, it's ridiculously, ridiculously cold out this way. And we are really just, its if you need to leave the house for anything, you're really having a life decision talk with yourself before you do that. Uh, yeah, let's get into it today. Our movie review, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Eric, you want to go into it? Yeah, sure. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah was a film that just recently came out on HBO Max as well as selected theaters. So due to the pandemic, uh, a lot of people are opting to watch it on HBO Max. Uh, It's a film directed by Shaka King. Uh, You'll see some notable names attached to it, such as uh, Ryan Coogler. And um, I think that when you hear the name Ryan Coogler now attached to a film, Brothers and sisters automatically want to go ahead and view it. Don't you agree? 
Absolutely. He is definitely one of the who's who of Black Hollywood right now. I mean, really, really, his name carries so much weight that he attaches on any project. And it, it's it's kind of like Jordan, uh, Jordan Peele, the way he can kind of put his name on anything and everybody's like, got to see it. It's probably what it is. But yeah, it, it's it's a great uh, production cast. Uh, the actual acting cast in this is is incredible. I, I, was, I, I did not know this many people were going to be in this movie. I was just expecting the main two people I saw in the trailers. Uh, but yeah, going into the cast, we got Daniel Kaluuya. I can never pronounce his name. I just call I him Get it. Out Guy. <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, Eric does all my pronunciation. He's going. He's playing Fred Hampton in this movie, the historic, legendary Fred Hampton of the Black Panther Party. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, one of my favorite young black actors in Hollywood right now. Uh, you may know him from Atlanta and that horrible Netflix Death Note movie, uh, but he's been in other amazing projects as well. Uh, and then we have Jesse Plim- Plimpkins, who is a phenomenal. Clemens. Clemens, excuse me, uh, <laughs> which I always associate with Breaking Bad. Uh, right. But yeah, just another incredible young actor who is doing incredible things. And I, it was an awesome movie. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and start things off with this. Okay. Like like John Michael said, this is an incredible cast. Uh, Daniel Kalua, Get Out, uh, Keith Stanfield, also in Get Out. Very small role, but still very effective. Absolutely. Role. I completely forgot about that. Thank you. Right, and he was also recently in the photograph with uh, Issa Rae uh, that came out last summer. Jesse Plemons, uh, who we kind of discussed, he has quite a range. He's very serious, and he can be very funny. Like in, uh, what was the film with uh, Jason Bateman, Game Night? Oh, yeah. A lot of people probably, he's not a name probably. Everybody probably knows right off the top of their head. But yeah, if you saw Game Night, he was the weird next door neighbor cop. Uh, Black Mass. I I know it's not a big movie, but I really did an incredible job in that as well. Uh, uh, Observe and Report. Gosh, I guess he hasn't really been in a bunch of... I also know him from Friday Night Lights. Uh, Yeah, he's an incredible actor. Uh, One of the few white actors in this movie. There's a very young actress in this uh, film uh, named Dominique Fishback. She was really good in this film. She played... Uh, oh, Fred Hampton's love interest. Yes, Fred Hampton's love interest. She was great in this film. This was my first time witnessing her act. She was wonderful. And then I was actually surprised by Martin Sheen playing J. Edgar Hoover. Before we get to uh, him, I, I also want to piggyback on your statement about Dominique, Dominique Fishback. It was uh-huh. so refreshing to see a leading woman who looks like the everyday black woman. Like, they could have picked the prettiest black girl in any room to play that part. They picked somebody who looks like, you know, somebody you would see off the street. And it's so refreshing to see, because, like, that's one thing I have with the Malcolm X biopic. Like, Betty Shabazz, uh, beautiful black queen, not a beauty pageant, always feels like they feel the need uh to put the attractive woman in, like uh, the Harriet Tubman movie. Harriet Tubman, she was a strong black woman. Her appearance had nothing to do with the work she did. So the fact they had to pick an attractive black woman who doesn't necessarily fit the archetype. Same thing with Nina Simone, them getting Zoe Saldana to play that. It's just like, 
there are black women who look like other black women. Like you don't have to pick these features that are acceptable to the masses. Like this movie, and that's one of the things I love is it didn't make it palatable to the masses. It didn't tone down the rhetoric to make it more uh, comfortable for everybody. Oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, the cast was phenomenal, but uh, like I was saying, uh, Martin Sheen's in this film, which I just came out of left field. I actually... It was a bit jarring because I didn't know who he was playing because his facial prosthetics don't exactly look like J. Edgar Hoover, but he is a very integral part in the story of Fred Hampton. Not so much this film, but an integral part in the overarching story of not only Fred Hampton, but uh, the Black Revolution movement, and period. Uh, so it was good to you know see him in the film, and then which I, what I was really surprised about was Lil Rel was in this film too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Out of nowhere, very, out of nowhere. out of nowhere, very small role, wasn't anything. Also comedic. from Get Out, yeah. Also from Get Out, <laughs> yes. Uh, and he and he played along with uh, Lakeith Stanfield in Photograph. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you know. Small role in this film, uh, but I was actually surprised to see his name pop up in the beginning credits. So, you know, it's always kind of a delight to see Hill because he adds some great comedic presence. But this time it was a very serious scene. One scene that he was in, basically, uh, that was very integral to the story as well. So wouldn't you say that people, our people in particular, probably are not as familiar with Fred Hampton as they are with Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Huey P. Newton, others. Well, uh, before we get to that, I also want to, you made a good point about uh, J. Edgar Hoover and his involvement uh, throughout the civil rights movement. Like he has had a finger in every single black movement that has occurred, which he felt was a threat to the American fabric of society. Uh, and his COINTELPRO was a just a huge, intricate part of a lot of these black organizations uh, getting toppled down. J. Edgar Hoover by himself. Uh, have you ever seen the uh, J. Edgar movie with Leo? No, I didn't. I didn't like the reviews of it, so I didn't really want to waste my time with it. Uh, but I heard Leo did a phenomenal job acting, but I'm not sure that Clint Eastwood probably was the correct director for that film. I think if they would have gave it to Scorsese, he would have properly, because Clint Eastwood still tried to portray him in like a heroic light. Like they portray the scene where he's like writing the letter or or, tran or having his secretary transcribe this letter. Martin Luther King Jr. saying, hey, we have this recording. You should just kill yourself. Or if you accept the Nobel Peace Prize, we will release it. You know, it, it was just a sleazeball move and it made him look like a little, the little man he was. But it still was this heroic light about it and i feel like that is what kind of shapes our outlook on that particular era of the black power movement because after civil rights you had the stokely carmichael's pop up the black power black pride black is beautiful and then you get into the uh black panther party which is extremely polar opposite to the uh martin luther king narrative of nonviolence. They're straight. We are at war with the police. We are not taking it anymore. We're going to have guns and we're going to arm our J. Edgar Hoover and, and Martin Sheen's prosthetics and his look not fitting. And now every time I think of J. Edgar Hoover, I think of Leo because he, he played him in that movie from start to finish so perfect. It just wasn't that great of a film, but, you know, it is what it is. I think uh, you'd enjoy it. You like history. 
Okay, well, I can give it a try, you know, you know, take a gander at it and see what it's about, you know. Well, I know what it's about, but I don't want it to be a romanticized version of J. Edgar Hoover's life, who is a deplorable human being who hated himself so much that he hated black people and he terrorized black people and black leaders. So, Oh, uh, I, I'm super surprised. One, one little thing. If you do want to check out the movie, there is an interesting part where they do not shy about him maybe being a crossroad. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to J. Edgar Hoover's life that never gets talked about that should be talked about that he was in fact a closeted homosexual he took that hate of himself misplaced it towards the black community uh there's a lot of talk that the mob may have had some secret recordings of him yeah um and told them and basically threatened jay edgar hoover like look we're going to release these recordings of you having sex with other men oral sex etc etc with other men and if you continue to come after the mob we will release him and that's when his ire shifted toward the black panther party started equating the black panther party with the nonsense of the ku klux klan and was a very slippery precipitous slope from there so yeah if you have the opportunity i would definitely look into an unromanticized version of j edgar hoover to see who he truly was but back to the film, following the life of Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton is a young man, I would say a boy, uh, really, Chicago, who is basically trying to change the plight of his people. He is trying to feed the poor, educate the young, and he is definitely teaching young black men and women that they need to arm themselves, a lot like Malcolm did. Uh, but be intelligent their uh, conflict with the law. This does not sit well with the government, particularly the FBI. And so they sent a young man named William O'Neill to infiltrate the Black Panther Party that Fred Hampton is actually... Was he chartering? Uh, he had already chartered. It was he already, already established. Yes. Okay. He was already established, already chartered. And uh, Bill O'Neill comes in and basically is a spy within the organization. And from there, um, you know, he's getting uh, intelligence on them and basically bringing them down from within. And this is what we see a lot of times in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, with these movements. Uh, certainly Martin Luther King had this I'd say happen. before that. I'd say even on the plantation. Yeah, well, definitely on the plantation, brother. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying in most recent history, I would even say this happens with, uh, this is on a grander level because this could definitely achieve a radicalized vision uh, for black people. Also, the same thing happened. Uh, a lot of people don't know the uh, dynamics between the black working class uh, sharecroppers in the communist movement that was infiltrating America. And there was a huge uh, scare about black people joining the communist party. And they were holding meetings uh, with these black sharecroppers, teaching them about uh, socialism and unionization. And they would send uncle Tom's in these meetings to name who was there. And then they would send the Klan after them. Like, like this whole crabs in the barrel, I'm going to enrich myself and sell out the whole uh, majority for my own personal interests. It, you're right. It's something that goes on to today. But I, I think it goes back ever since they brought us here. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's really important that you bring up. I mean, that's just been a detriment to the black community. And it's been devastating to our community that people that look like you and I would uh, infiltrate and with nefarious reasonings, take us down. Take our take our progress that we're gaining or have gained and take us back one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, or eight, nine, ten steps. I mean, that's been that's been really detrimental. So I, I kind of just started thinking about that. I mean, if we always think about what if Malcolm was still alive today? What if things had changed for him? Where, where, where would we be today? Because what Malcolm was teaching, what Fred Hampton was teaching, what Huey P. Newton was teaching, was a lot about just black economics, about banding together and trying to create change within our community for the better. Okay? I mean, one of the most radical ideas that Jay Agger and the FBI wouldn't have wanted is for a Chicago for Chicago to have a black owned hospital with black uh Medics, black nurses, black technicians, et cetera, et cetera, there to heal the community. Could you imagine if Chicago today had a black owned hospital? Yeah, I mean, J. Edgar Hoover is noted as saying the most dangerous. Uh, aspect of the Black Panther Party is their initiatives to feed poor children in the right. in the ghettos. Because they knew if the the young children started looking at them as their guardians, their caretakers, in a sense, their government, and don't look to the government, that's a huge uh, a point of where welfare started popping up, where the government's like, no, we'll take care of you. And the welfare state was invented in our in our community, unfortunately. But, you know, that, that just goes to show uh, how they work and how they have been working, divide and conquer, and then make you uh, dependent upon the system. Absolutely. Uh, there's, there are so many economic avenues that we can go into talking about why it's important to feed hungry children in your community. I mean, there have been studies in India and other countries that say that if you go ahead and give uh, children a certain amount of calories per day, they can be they can do X, Y, and Z and be productive that way. So they can they, once you have more calories, you can go ahead and learn. You can be more constructive. You can be more productive. And so your own community that's important to building it up to having intelligent conversation and a byproduct of that intelligent conversation is solutions that will fix your community with from the within from within so there's so many avenues of why these programs were important now let's not forget that now the programs that were started by the black panther party are actually used today the free free breakfast program okay that's where we get this from so when people are always equating the clan with the black Panther Party, that's absolutely not true. The Klan instills terrorists. Black Party movement instilled nutrition, education, overall welfare of the community. So that is really important. Uh, so there are a lot of layers to this film. Um, I feel like a lot of them weren't addressed adequately. If I can make a criticism of the film, I felt like Will O'Neill was really kind of laid out to be a sympathetic character. And I didn't really like that too much. 
and Fred Hampton kind of got pushed to the back. But that's just just a minor critique of the film. That's one of the things that really jumped out to me because I really was look, looking for more Fred Hampton, more Fred Hampton, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't know too much about Fred Hampton up until probably about a year or so ago, bro. Yeah, so. you're right. Absolutely. I, this is probably the first time since the actual early 90s Black Panther movie. Uh, where they have kind of addressed Fred Hampton. Um, but yeah, Huey P. Newton is usually the one you hear about in regards to the uh, Black Panthers and Bobby Seale, secondary, and even Eldridge Cleaver. Yeah, it, it's it's a very, very interesting dichotomy of, of characters who went in and out the public uh, sphere, uh, I should say. Uh, yeah, but Fred Hampton is one of those individuals you don't hear too much about. And I do agree, they definitely did push him to the background of the movie to tell William O'Neill's story. But it is Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, it's more so about the betrayal. And uh, I, I think, I understand they were trying to make uh, O'Neill a sympathetic character, but they didn't do a good job of that. That's my criticism. At no point did I feel like he was ever really leaning more towards uh, the people in the community as opposed to his own personal interests, uh, because obviously the Black Panthers didn't succeed in their, you know, uh, movement. Uh, but yeah, it's just a matter of I like the way they show that the FBI had different operatives that their own people weren't even privy to. And it was real cloak and dagger stuff. Really good way to just show the complexity. Right. Uh, I do want to address one more small criticism, but it's the overarching criticism of films that uh, come out in Hollywood portraying uh, black civil rights leaders or black heroes. Never really talk about how young they were. Uh, particularly, we've seen Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. They were 39 years old when they were assassinated. So these men were in their mid to early 30s when they were uh, really gaining their power. Us. Yes, us. Truly, because we're in our mid-30s now. Uh, but then when we we're talking about Fred Hampton, the film did not do a good job of letting you know that this is just a boy. This is a young man, 21 years old. Now, they say it at the end of the film. They do. But they don't really tell the audience that this is really a child going in who is so precocious, so intelligent, so articulate, so powerful with his speech that he is able to affect the masses in such a way that they he gets them to mobilize and get behind him. And I really, you know, that really did bother me throughout the film because I knew that how young he was and Daniel Kalula and Matisse Stanfield are our age, basically. Uh, so hopefully Hollywood gets some more actors or some younger actors, but uh, that's just something that I did want to be, bring to the forefront. Uh, it's kind of hard to really talk about this film without going into the film. So, you know, we got to really speak in generalities, but, you know, from the point in which Lakeith Stanfield's character, William O'Neill, infiltrates, he gets to see the inner workings of the party. He gets to see that, you know, they're providing excellent programs uh, for the community. He brings that information back to Jesse Plemons' character, uh, and who plays Roy Mitchell. 
uh, who was an FBI special agent. Basically, he was basically like, I want a bigger cut. I want this. I want that. Now, does it eat away at him over the course of the film? You know, you'll just have to see. But, you know, there is the exchange of, hey, if I do this, I want this, even though, you you know, they do hold the threat over a threat, I will say, over uh, Mr. O'Neill's head throughout the film. But he's still being compensated for his work. Right. And I feel like that is it's it's a matter of first it turns into survival and self-preservation and then it turns into opportunism. And I'm going to profit off of this opportunity. But yeah, and and I I don't know if it's just because of uh, not writing that's not up to par or just Jesse Plemons is an incredible actor, but I felt like his character had more of a internal dilemma about what he was doing than O'Neill's character. So safe to say this is a relatively new up and comer. Um, yeah. Um, which is why it's good to have a Ryan Cooler attached to the project. Yeah. The, you know, I would say definitely. Um, the writing wasn't as strong as I wanted it to be in the film, but it's not bad. It's not bad. No. It's not. It's not just. It's not average. Oh, <laughs> did George Lucas write that? <laughs> I forget who was involved with that. It was a Disney. Film. Well, let's forget about Red Tails for a moment. Yeah, uh, but overall, what did you think of the, of the film? The plot, everything. Uh, over. Oh, I did really enjoy the film. I really, the Black Panthers is one of those those uh, things I really went down the rabbit hole as a kid. And just learning the really interesting history of the, the members and all the assassinations that happened and all the the killings of cops. Because you, you, most people don't understand, like, Hugh P. Newton was, like, uh, arrested for killing multiple cops, I believe two or three. Uh, and, and he was acquitted of those charges. So it, it goes to show just the, the crookedness of the system and how they were intentionally going out to get him. And he wasn't having it. Like he literally killed police officers and got away with it in that time span. And the, and the court system even saw that these people were targeting these members of this group who weren't doing anything and just exercising their constitutional rights to carry guns. And they weren't standing for the bullshit anymore. So I, I really enjoy the Black Panthers. Uh, yeah, this is one of the, it's uh, probably only a handful of movies that actually, you know, depict Black Panther, the Black Panther Party. And I, I, like I said earlier, the 19, early 1990s movie. Um, and this, uh, now that I think of it, I can't name that many movies that actually go into the Black Panthers. No, maybe it's a touchy subject in Hollywood. It's probably something hard to get green with. Yeah, because it's killing cops. Like, uh, they had a very, very strong rhetoric about their disdain for the police. Uh, Their speeches make fuck the police seem like a catchy tune that cops aren't that bad. But, yeah, they really, really, it's tough. It's kind of like Matt Turner because you have a situation where this guy was killing, you know, women and children. But he was also doing it for a cause that was unjust. Uh, And I think that's the same thing we kind of go about, because on one hand, we don't want to say that cops are bad or or say go out and kill cops. But on on the other end, you have these uh, people who are in this environment where cops were willingly engaging in violence against them and they weren't taking it anymore. 
but yeah, overall, great movie. Really enjoyed the movie. I really uh, think it might be in a contender for uh, some awards. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it will be. Yeah, because I think, and this is uh, one of those movies that I think it's a shortage of good movies happening now with, with the movies being closed and them just uh, debating on whether or not they're going to release them digitally or wait for COVID to blow over whenever that might be. So it's, 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 it's really refreshing to be able to actually see a movie that's good in, in our COVID era. Uh, well, I mean, do you remember the last good movie that you saw? And it was like, oh, yeah, this is a great movie that I'm enjoying at home. Great movie or good movie? Good then? movie that was released in COVID. Release. Wow, oh, man. No, actually, I mean, I've seen a couple. I mean, the photograph was passable, but it wasn't by any means a great movie. That was pre-COVID, though. I mean, a movie released during the COVID era. During the COVID era, no, because the main movie I've watched is Wonder Woman, and I was not pleased with that. Nope, um, definitely doesn't qualify. Uh, can't think of one. Yeah, I wasn't blown away by all the little things, which I thought I would be uh, with with Denzel and Leto. It was a, it was a good, good, decent movie, but I wasn't blown away. I don't think like think they use those actors. Right. It's Denzel, it's Leto, it's uh, uh, Remy Malik. It's, come on, you got like uh, Academy, all three Academy Award winners. Right. And maybe it's just me putting the bar too high. Like it was a good movie, but it, was, I, it did, wasn't what it should have been. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, like I said, I can't really think of anything. So this is the first movie that I can say that I actually did enjoy. I do have some criticisms of the film. Yeah, not a but, film. But not, yeah, not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but the casting is strong, the acting is good, and I think that, you know, just a few minor tweaks here and there, you know, I think it could have been improved. Yeah, and just going off ratings here, IMDb has it currently listed at 7.9 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes at 96%, and Metacritic at 87%. So you're looking at about a B plus to A minus rating for critics, but yeah, it's a great film and I'm seeing a lot of great feedback on social media about it. So it, it's going over great with the people as well. Yeah. That's why I felt it was important for us to talk about this film. You know, initially I wanted to do a review of Nightcrawler, one of our retro reviews, but I was like, you know, everybody's talking about this film. It's a hot topic right now. We need to go ahead and you know, really just talk about the film because there's a lot of, conversation going on on social media about it. Yeah. I mean, with everything going on politically and uh, just after Jan- the, the January 6th riots at the Capitol, and then think back to the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and the cops pretty much treat us like we were insurgents and treat these guys like they're just exercising their God-given liberties to storm the Capitol building. I think that people already see that. I think on both sides they see it. I think with the people that support the protesters and the insurgents or the insurrectionists at the Capitol, they see it, but they deny it. I don't know. There's a there's a line in the Outcast song that you can deny the lie, but you can't deny the truth. And um, I think that people on both sides already know this. I think people on uh, who support Black Lives Matter or 
the other the other uh but no i i definitely think that people already one side differently than the other in a nutshell pulling me over or antagonizing me you want to start an issue over something small or minute such as a traffic stop or something like that to escalate to something larger where you feel that you can justifiably take my life which is actually unjustifiable yeah and I don't want anybody to get anything confused here. I am not against the police. I'm not against uh, for defunding the police. I have a brother who's in law enforcement and would never wish anybody would do that with him. But I don't worry about that with him because I know he handles each and every situation respectfully. He knows that people are people and we got to talk to them like people. And the moment you start talking to them as if you're some sort of knight of the round table and we're peasants, then you're going to get some pushback. And it doesn't give you justify or doesn't give you the right to shoot somebody because they give you lip. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's 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 an important conversation that needs to happen if they don't want that rhetoric to come back. They don't want that mentality to come back in the black community because that's what happened back then. Black people were getting pulled over and shot and killed by the police for no reason. And nothing was happening about it. And black people were like, you know what? Nah, we're going to band together. We're going to learn our rights. And of course, that's when the laws start changing in regards to what you can carry and where you can carry it. Do you think, I think that the film, what I've understood from looking at people's uh, social media posts, it's just opening up broader conversations like what you and I are talking about with the police. We're talking about how do we bring back some of these programs in which we are practicing group and community economics how do we build our communities how do we protect ourselves from law enforcement in a justifiable way and use the use what the constitution grants us as american citizens to protect ourselves so i think that if anything from this film it's opened up a broader conversation yeah absolutely and I just wanted to uh, read uh, the Black Panther Party 10-point program and just go bit by bit so we can see if any of this actually still uh, counts for today. This was created in 1966. So, Eric, you be my test subject here. Basic demands, which are we want freedom and we want power to determine destiny of our black community. Do you feel like we have freedom in the black community and the power to determine our destiny in that community, Eric? Uh, no, it's the autonomy of that is limited in scope. Yeah, absolutely. You have the freedom to do it, but it's like saying, you know, you can get on the airplane, but you have to have a ticket and you have to have the money to pay for it. Number two, we want full employment for our people. Uh, Eric, you feel like employment is uh, something widespread out here for the community? No, I think that there needs, there needs to be more uh, efforts in creating more robust programs for employment with the black community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Three, we want into robbery and capitalists in our black oppressed communities. Do you feel like uh, the black community is oppressed by the capitalistic nature of America? Absolutely. Especially when we see the owners of the gas stations and the air shops moving into our community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, four, we want decent housing fit for sh shelter of human beings. Uh, I can go ahead and take this one. Uh, living on 10th Paseo currently. 
Uh, no, we ain't got that. It, these places are run down. The city does not care, and they are not doing anything pretty much. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Eric, from your mansion? Is that what you're doing, John Mike? So, yeah, I'm definitely taking it out, you ass. We want education for our people that expose the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present day society. Very important point right there. Uh, education wise, you think we're hitting it? No, there's a candidate running in Michigan who says that they will take out Black History Month. Yeah, that's that's what they're running on. Six. We want all black men to be exempt from military service. Now, you already know that's not even that has never been nor will be ever, you know. That will and never will be actually put into place no, by America. It's not. I think that was more on the heels of like the Vietnam drafts. So people were like, I don't want it. Like Muhammad Ali, he was like, I'm not going over to fight for you guys. It's messed up over here. Uh, definitely think everybody should have the right to. Uh, seven, uh, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. Yeah, we can move past that one, can't we, Eric? Oh my goodness! I mean, the problems that we're that brothers and sisters were facing in the sixties, seventies, fifties, forties, thirties, tens—the odds they're facing now from the police. Yeah, exact same. Eight. We want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails. The prison industrial complex is not a problem in our community, is it, Eric? It absolutely is a problem when... Oh, wait. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic, uh, but we will definitely go into that one day. I'm sure we'll touch on that, but no, it's, that, it's exponentially exploded since that time. Absolutely. Uh, we want all Black people when brought to trial to be tried in a court... Uh, to be tried in court by a jury of their peer group or people from their black communities as defined by the Constitution of the United States. Huh. No, I mean, no, because, <laughs> no. When you want to get put somebody away, I mean, you have jury selection, and jury selection typically favors the prosecutor. Now, I mean, you can definitely have uh, communities where you have a majority of black people, but they usually weed, weed them out during jury selection. Absolutely. And I, I recommend anybody who's interested in learning about fucked up systems in the U.S. to check out jury selection. Uh, in certain cases, they're pretty much able just to knock off people they feel will be biased in any instance. But if there's a crime regarding like race or sexuality, it's, it's kind of hard to not be biased if you are of that race or sexuality so they're automatically excluded uh it's just really really messed up uh take take the trial of emmett till for uh, for instance when you have a jury of 12 white men uh convicting uh two white men uh that they probably see in their everyday lives so it's just very slippery uh let's see in number 10 we want land bread housing education clothing justice and peace uh, no, so, I'm still no. I mean, we're still waiting for that forty acres and a mule. Yeah, it's on the way. So, right, I'm sure it is, but absolutely not. Especially when you're starting to make land unattainable, and I mean, yeah, 
I mean, just we we there has to be an episode that we do on the gentrification that is taking place in Kansas City right now. I mean, it is just phenomenal and just disgusting to look at. Yeah, it's crazy just thinking that these were the groups or these were the neighborhoods that that didn't matter just a few years ago. Now all of a sudden it's crime watch and hey, what are you doing here? And it's just like where were you guys at when all the black? Yeah, it's crazy. And one thing I was thinking about recently is the fact that in a year we've gotten two COVID checks and about to get another COVID check because we're in a pandemic. But they refuse to give slaves or freed slaves money and think they would need some sort of relief after living on plantations and slavery their whole life and then ask why would you guys need reparations like are you guys fucking stupid like the fact that you they're giving us money to say hey this is a tough patch and this is america so we need to look after each other and then being like but reparations is completely ridiculous it's so, so uh, hypocritical and disgusting. Absolutely. Yeah, that's just something that crossed my mind not too long ago. Just seeing how people treat these stimulus checks and it's just like, yeah, it's like reparations for nothing. I want to disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, but out, out of those 10 points, I can find nine valid points that are still going on here in the United States and need to be addressed and fixed since 1966. I think you and I are agreeing on the military exclusion yeah. one. Okay. Because I feel like for military purposes, and this is just in the scheme of a successful, having a country with a successful military, sometimes you have to conscript people. Sometimes everybody has to, you know, put people in the military to fight a cause. Like, I'm, it's just the way it is. Whether it's the uh, Greek Greeks fighting Persians or the Romans fighting the Goths, like, it, it just has to be done. Okay. Yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Overall, what's your rating you're going to give this movie? Um, I would probably do a seven and a half out of ten. Okay, yeah, I was going to go eight out of ten. Uh, still a good. I don't know if it's it might be lower if if it wasn't COVID, but I'm giving it an extra bump. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I watched it. I enjoyed it. There were things I and I, I'm out. I hate I've become this kind of snob to be like I would have done this differently. But I, I really feel like there's certain points that could have been handled differently. Certain points I do do think they did do well, but overall, eight out of ten for me. Yeah, seven and a half for me. I enjoy the film. I have some <clears throat> criticisms throughout the film. I really wanted to focus more on Fred Hampton. Um, they didn't do a good job of making Bill O'Neill a sympathetic character, and I didn't like the ending. The ending was a little bit messy for me. Yeah, a little choppy. Yeah, I'm going to say very choppy. But other than that, the overall message, the acting was very strong from Plemons, from uh, Stanfield and Kaluuya. I think it's either Kaluuya or Kaluuya. I'm sorry. We will get your name down because you are definitely here. But no, but he's definitely here to stay in Hollywood. It's just, yeah, you know, my overall like, point. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. It was like Lupita. Lapati Najingo. That yeah, it took us a name. minute. It, it's a name that just clicks. Like, you know it. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a great movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, HBO is going to have the a hell of a year. Yes, sir, it is. Uh, especially what's coming up soon for you and I. The Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie, a film that I was not even remotely excited to see when it came out in 2017, but I am now, just for the simple fact that you know they're getting a director to create show his creative vision. Yeah. For his film. And I think another thing people are blown away is that they're doing something that's never been done before and just going back and reshooting a movie uh, and re-releasing it uh, because people wanted to see it. Like, there's so many instances we'll never see films we want to see. Uh, but for some reason, they're doing it now. And I really hope this takes takes uh, takes hold with other movies. And maybe we'll see an extended version of The Dark Knight Rises one day. Or, or maybe the... Martin Scorsese cut of Gangs of New York, which I would be absolutely excited to see unless there's more Cameron Diaz in it. Yeah, it's, it's all Cameron Diaz. That's all the cut footage. <laughs> yes. We'll be going to San Francisco. We'll be doing a review of that film very shortly. Yes, yes. Great film. Uh, yeah, that that is all I have for the film review today. Eric, you have anything else? No, just happy that we're able to get a more recent film. Uh, you know, next film review, we're going to be doing Nightcrawler, a film that is probably the life of John Michael Banks, even though he wouldn't like to admit it. No, no, I do like <laughs> to admit it. It's a, it's a oh, you story. do? I, I, okay. I look at it as, as a harrowing tale of a go-getter who's not going to take no for an answer and really shows the world what he's made of. That's really one way to look at it, but we'll be reviewing that. We'll be reviewing Gangs of New York. Uh, Whiplash. Watch. Whiplash, absolutely. We said The Wire, season three or season four. Three, uh, season three. Yeah, um, more music, some Outcast albums, and wrapping up our Kanye West series. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot we got going on, and we're going to be bringing a lot to you. Uh, but yeah, that's what we love to do here. Yeah, we'll have some great content for you all. But once again, just let us know what you want to see. Uh, we love our audience. We love that you continue to follow us, encourage us. And uh, you're here for what we two guys just would talk about on the phone. I think I think that's just awesome. So, yeah, it, yeah we just got to give a big shout out to our followers and uh, subscribers and our listeners you know now that you say that that is true like all of our episodes is pretty much just like people are just listening to our phone conversations recorded <laughs> right right and it's like yeah it's kind of creepy when you put it like that but i'm glad you guys actually <laughs> want to listen because you know we do talk about some interesting stuff i think we talk about interesting stuff so I'm glad you guys think that also. Uh, so that, that's great. Yeah. Also, like Eric said, let us know what you want to hear. And we will definitely work on that. Uh, unless it's something horrible. Uh, then we'll have a deep, deep talk about it and maybe get around to it. <laughs> there are some horrible movies out here that we've had to endure over the years. And yeah, I don't know if I can watch a few, a few of them back again. Unless right. you guys pay me for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. We're going to start dropping my cash app. Donate what? I don't know. It depends on the movie. Some of these have to be five. Some would be 10. Others would be 100. 
You know what we should, I, t- I said this a while ago, we should review Friday because I think you and I look at Friday completely differently than other people. They think of it as a comedy. You and I have talked about that this is like no, it's a, deep- a 90, <laughs> 90s coming of age story. Oh, it's a deep introspective look at the microcosm of the hood. In one day, in one day, it's, it's very, yeah, we'll definitely do that. But yeah, uh, thank you all so much for just tuning in every week and, you know, making us grow from just doing, me and Eric talking about things going on in the news to us doing media reviews and media interviews and having relationship talk. And, you know, we're going back to releasing tracks from artists and the articles with the pitch. And we've got some other exciting things going on here that I can't announce yet. But it, it's a lot going on and I owe it all to you guys. So, thank you all so much. Thank you all so much. And please continue to tell your friends, your family, anyone you're sharing with, the show with, that help me grow. Please continue to do that. We definitely need that. And please continue to support us on social media. Just uh, on Instagram. I need to start doing more of that. But Facebook, our community page, uh, please join back so you can stay up to date with people who live in Zoom And yeah, we will continue to do this amazing content for myself and my wonderful, spectacular co-host. Uh, best friend, uh, financial guru, Eric Hawthorne. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, we will catch you next week. Uh, you all stay safe and stay blessed.